Okay, so today we have a very special guest speaker, uh, none other than uh, Pastor Daniel Beck, or Senior Pastor of NBC. Uh, give him a warm welcome. Thank you. Did I uh, ever preach here when, when I came? Is that my first time? Second time? Third time? Really? When, when was the last time I preached? Was it October? All uh, yes, oh, right, for the Pune, right? And after that, I did I come back and preach? I think is it? Well, anyway, uh, you know, I feel um, very, I feel much more comfortable today than last time I preached. Last time, as Pastor Charlie says, I felt like I was a guest speaker. But today, I'm offended when he says, uh, I'm a guest speaker. I, I'm not a guest. I hope I'm not. Uh, so just like, you know, Pastor Charlie is your pastor, I am also the pastor of this Miracle and Baptist Church. Uh, one thing I'm, I'm going to ask you guys to uh, do, uh, if you can do me a favor, please come closer. I know that you feel very comfortable sitting in the back, but I don't feel like, if you are sitting all the way in the back, I feel like I'm preaching to these chairs in the front. So please, at least like first three rows. Yeah, please. Where's Priscilla? She's in the back? Oh, she's in the restroom? Oh, okay. All right. All right. Uh, today, uh, the, the passage that I'm preaching is actually from uh, many different passages. So I'm just going to read Proverbs 4.23, and then we're going to find the different passages. All right, Proverbs 4.23 says, Above all else, guard your heart, for it is the wellspring of life. So today's message is not uh, expository preaching. It's a topical preaching. You know, the expository preaching is you pick a passage and then let the passage speak to us. But then the topical preaching is you choose a topic and then you find the scriptures that relate to that topic. So as he's mentioned, we're going to talk about self-worth. Or maybe you are familiar, a little bit more familiar with the self-esteem, the terminology. But that self-esteem is it's kind of a man-made-up uh, word. It's like came about in the 18th century by this uh, thinker named David Hume and, you know, things like that. So... Self, maybe you feel comfortable with the self-esteem, but nonetheless, we're going to talk about self-worth or self-respect or self-esteem, okay? So whenever you guys look at the mirror this morning, how did you feel? Did you feel happy or discouraged or depressed or however you feel? Like, it's about self-worth or self-respect, uh, uh, some people have very low self-esteem and some people have very high self-esteem and depends on that. It really makes an impact on how you behave and how you live your lives. So self-worth and knowing who you are is very, very important part of your life. So when you think about self-worth, it's about the foundation is self-identity, self right? Knowing who you are. Like in this world, people... Think about their self-identity uh, based on three things. Number one is what you are able to do. What do you do? You know, when you meet somebody, usually you introduce yourself when you ask a question. What do you do? Are you, you know, a student or 
do you work and what kind of work do you do? Like, you know, Jeannie is a lawyer, so and Charlie is a pastor. So, like, we introduce ourselves according to our occupation or what we do, right? And that's how we find our identity. We call ourselves, you know, whatever we do, our job. And some people, that's one thing. And then the second thing is what we have. <laughs> Excuse me. Yeah, that's why you got to... I got this iWatch. <laughs> but no, anyway, all right. Second thing is what we have. Like, it could be money, but it could be something else. Let's say if you have a license, if you, have a, you are a licensed counselor or licensed architect and whatever, you know, if you a licensed uh, farmer, uh, pharmacist, there is actually a member in our church who are considering moving from Michigan to California because his wife is here in our church. But then he's a pharmacist and his license in Michigan, doesn't, it's not good in California. So he doesn't know what to do. So if he moved back here to California, then he has to take another test and pass that exam. But he's over 50. So, you know, passing that exam here again, it's not an easy thing, right? So some people identify themselves in what they have, whether it's a license or something like money and what have, what have you, right? That's second thing. And the third thing is how people think of you or what people say you are. Let's say, you know, people say you are very handsome. They're, oh, yeah, I'm a handsome man. Or people say you are very, you know, smart. And, oh, yeah, I'm a smart man or what, whatever the people say. When I say uh, pe- what people say or think, it also includes how you think about yourself. No, I don't really care about what other people think as long as I think of myself as someone smart. I think of myself as someone pretty to look at or whatever you think. So those are the three things how people identify themselves. What you are able to do or what you have or what people think of you. Right? A lot of times. But... We as Christians should not identify ourselves or find our self-worth in any of those three things. Because those three things that I just mentioned can change. You know, when we call you, Priscilla, what, what are you? Or what do you do? You're a student? But then, you know, are you going to be a student for the rest of your life? Probably not. Or... You know, even Jeannie is a lawyer and Charlie is a pastor. Things like that can change. You know, just like the one that I mentioned, most likely they will be the lawyer or the pastor for the rest of their lives. But it can certainly change. <laughs> like the pharmacist that I just mentioned, he might do something else. There are members in the church, maybe perhaps even your parents, who had one occupation, but over the course of the many years, they may change to something else, right? They may do a small business or they may do something else, completely different than what they expected, right? So what you do, your occupation can change. So does that mean what happens when you change your identity? Something you have, you know, maybe some of you are not so well off financially, but that can change also, right? Timmy, you can be a millionaire, who knows, in 10 years, right? Or not. So we don't know. So those kind of things can change. But we as Christians, so should not based on all those things, but based on something that will not change. And what is that? We should hold our identity. We should, our, we should build our identity upon 
what God says. Okay, what God says who you are. Okay, so there is like a Christian uh, general term about self-worth. We identify ourselves as I am who God says I am. Okay, so let's all like kind of repeat ourselves. Repeat after me if you don't mind. I am who God says I am. That is very, very important because that will change the way way that we behave and the way that we think and how we live our lives. I am who God says I am. And let's find out what God says about you and what God says about me. In Genesis chapter 1, the very beginning, chapter 1 verse 27, it says this, So God created man in his own image, in the image of God, He created him, male and female. He created them. So what does that tell us about us? That we are God? No, we're not God. We are created being, right? That's what God says. I created you. But not just created you, but I created you with my image, God's image. That's how we are created. So we are not God, we're not the creator, but we are created being according to God's image. That's very important because today, many people out there will tell you that you are just as good as God and everything else out there is just as good as God. But we are not. That's not what God says. God says you are created being. I created you. Now the next verse that we're going to look at, well, there are so many verses, but I have chosen just a few. Psalm 139, verse 14, it says this, I praise you because I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Your words are wonderful. I know that full well. Now, when God created you according to his image, he didn't just create you, and I created, I kind of made a mistake. That's not what God says. How did he create? He created you fearfully and wonderfully. So when you look at the mirror today or tomorrow, Tell that to yourself. Hey, Adam, you are created by God according to his image. Amen? And guess what? I am created fearfully and wonderfully made. That's what God says. That's not what other people are telling you. Okay? You may not even think of yourself that way, but that's what God says. Your creator tells you, hey, I created you according to my image. And I made you fearfully and wonderfully. It was not a mistake. That's what God says. And what else? 2 Timothy 1.9, it says this. He who has saved us and called us to a holy life. God called you to live a holy life. God didn't call you to just live a mediocre life. But he called you to a holy life, not because of anything you've done. It's not because you're worth it. It's not... It's not because you have done something worth, you know, great credit and things like that. No, it's not anything you have done, but because of his own purpose and grace. This grace was given us in Christ Jesus before the beginning of time. So God has called you to a holy life, not because of what you've done, but because of grace of God. That's what God says, okay? Now, 2 Corinthians 5, 17. Because of all that, if anyone is in Christ Jesus, he's a new creation. The old has gone, the new has come. 
So it doesn't matter whether you are Tim or Priscilla or whoever you are, okay? If you are in Christ Jesus, you are a new creation. The old has gone, the new has come. That's what God says. That's the statements from God's word, okay? Ephesians 1, 7, the last one that I'm going to say. In him, we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins in accordance with the riches of God's grace. Now, when you look at all these words, and there are so many more about what God says you are, all those things, all these words have something in common. You know what that is? He tells you who you are. He says, you are a new creation. I have forgiven your sins. You are called to be a new creation. I created you. You are fearfully, wonderfully made. All those things have something in common. And all those things is something what God has done, right? Something what God said. It does not depend on what you are able to do. It does not depend on what you have or don't have, okay? As long as you are a millionaire, you are a new creation. That's not what he says. As long as you are able to sing well, like Priscilla, then you are a new creation. That's not what he says. He says what God has done, Right? That is the foundation of our identity. And that is extremely important to us. People who find and understand who they are according to what God has done, then they can be free from who you are and how you live your life. Because something, it's something what God has already done. Okay? It does not depend on my ability. It does not depend on what I have but it depends on what God said and what God has already done and accomplished. And that's who you are. You are fearfully and wonderfully made a child of God. And there's nothing, there's no one that can change that. Amen? All right, with that said, uh, there are some people who has a good and very healthy biblical uh, identity and then there are some people who are unhealthy. And then we can find some examples. When, you, when people have very low self-worth or low self-esteem, and when they actually meet God and, find, and have an encounter with God, then their self-worth and respect for themselves changes significantly. Let's think about someone in the Bible who, who changed their self-worth and respect like completely different before and after they met God. Can you think of someone? Let's talk about Moses, okay? You know, Moses, you, you probably grew up in a church, so you know the Moses life. Right? He was born and raised as like, what? A prince of Egypt, right? Even though he was not an Egyptian, he grew up as a prince of Egypt, so he was well-educated until like 40 years old, and then he killed Egyptians, so he ran away. He became all sudden most wanted, so from prince to nobody, right? Prince to most wanted. Your, your job, your identity can change. Now, so he lives another 40 years in the, out of nowhere as a shepherd. And then, you know, he, when he is 80 years old, God called him, right? So when he met God, things changed. But before he met God, his, his self-esteem was very, very low. Listen to what he says in Exodus chapter 3. Verse 11, now God calls him in the burning bush, right? I'm, I want you to go back to Egypt and 
take my people out of Egypt and take them to the promised land. But this is what Moses said. Verse 11. But Moses said to God, Who am I that I should go to Pharaoh and bring the Israelites out of Egypt? I am nobody. Who am I? God, who do you think I am? I'm no one to go to Pharaoh, the king of Egypt, the most powerful country at that time? No way. And God said, I will be with you. But again, verse 13, Moses said to God, suppose I go to the Israelites and say all that, the God of your father has sent me to you, and they ask me what is his name, then what, what, what should I say? And God gives him all these things that he should say, but again, even after God explains, chapter 4, verse 10, it says, Moses said this, Moses said to the Lord, Lord, I have never been eloquent, neither in the past nor since you have spoken to your servant. I am slow of speech and tongue. So, hey, I, I'm not really good at speech, speaking. So, you know, I, you chose the wrong guy. That's what Moses said. But the Lord said to him, Who gave man his mouth? Who makes him deaf and mute? Who gives him sight or makes him blind? Is it not I, the Lord? Now go, I will help you speak and will teach you what to say. But again, verse 13, Moses said, Oh Lord, please send someone else to do it. That's what he said. Please send someone else to do it. Then, of course, God's anger burned against him and says, Hey, I am who I am. You better go. Even after he showed. So Moses, you can tell, I mean, just by listening to what Moses said, you can tell that his self-worth and respect at this time, even when he's talking to God, was very low. Right? Agree? But then what happens after this? What happens after God sends Moses and I said, hey, you are slow in, in speech? Guess what? Your brother Aaron is better at speaking, so I'm going to help him too. He's going to go with you. And you go. What happens after that? Moses goes to the Pharaoh, right? Speaks on behalf of God. It says in chapter 7, verse 1, it says this. God said to the Moses, God said to, uh, the Lord said to Moses, see, I have made you like God to Pharaoh. It says, I have made you like God to Pharaoh. And your brother Aaron will be with you, with, with your prophet, or will be your prophet. So God says, I'm going to make you like God to Pharaoh, the king of Egypt. And that's what happened. He actually goes there, and for all Egyptians... Moses is like God. He can perform all these great miracles that all the Pharaoh's magicians cannot perform. And he's more powerful than all the other gods in Egypt. So Moses became all of a sudden very courageous and very strong and firm because he met the true God. And that's how we should live our lives. If you really met God and know who he is, that should give you the power and confidence about how you live your lives. Okay, but then also there's another person in the New Testament, Apostle Paul. 
You know how he was before he met Jesus Christ? But he met Jesus Christ that changed and transformed his life entirely, right? In the New Testament. By 1 Timothy chapter 1, verse 12. Let me read this to you. 1 Timothy chapter 1, verse 12. I thank Christ Jesus our Lord, who has given me strength, that he considered me faithful, appointing me to his service. So he's saying that Jesus Christ appointed me to this service and he, because he considered me faithful. Now, he has given me the strength and the power to serve this purpose that he called me to. Now, even though I was once a blasphemer and persecutor and violent man, I was shown mercy because I acted in ignorance and unbelief. It's because I didn't know. <coughs> Excuse me. <clears throat> because I didn't know who Jesus was. That's why I was a violent man, I was a persecutor, and I was a blasphemer. But the grace of our Lord Jesus was poured out on me abundantly, along with the faith and the love that are in Christ Jesus. Here is a trustworthy saying that deserves full acceptance. Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners, of whom I am the worst. So Peter knows that he's the worst sinner of all. That, wasn't like, that was very unlike, uh, unlike uh, Paul before he met Jesus Christ. Before he met Jesus Christ, Paul thought that he was a righteous man. He was doing the right thing by putting all these Christians. But after he met Jesus Christ, he now understands that he is a sinner before God. He is a sinner before Jesus Christ. And it is only by the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ that he became the servant of God. He understands now what he is called to do, that God is empowering him to do his ministry. So he's understanding who he is and why he was called and what he must do, what he must do with his life after he met Jesus Christ. So if all of you, if you really have met Jesus Christ as your personal Savior, and if you really know who God is, then you ought to know who you are because God is telling you who you are, right? And that should be the foundation of your identity. That should be the foundation of your worth. But then even after we met Jesus Christ, sometimes we are shaky in our foundation. We, like, we, go, we get tossed back and forth. Now, we can, once again, think about then what should we as Christians, who understands who we are, okay? What should we have? What kind of characteristics should we find in ourselves as a child of God, as someone who knows, I am who God says I am, so I should have these characteristics, now, in the Bible, if you really know who you are in Christ, then you should have confidence in God. Now, Jeremiah 17, 7, it says this, But blessed is the one who trusts in the Lord, whose confidence is in Him, in Christ Jesus. Once again, blessed is the one who trusts in the Lord, whose confidence is in Christ. Now, someone in the Bible who had that kind of confidence, uh, confidence, do you know anyone? Can you think of anyone? Who has that kind of confidence? 
Well, what about um, David? Do you remember the David? Little boy David, not the King David, but before he became king, the boy David came along and he defeated who? Goliath. Now, Goliath was like very, very, very tall and he was a big guy. You know, he's like three meters. That's very tall and very strong man. He was in military for all his life. So when this army came in, all the Israelites were afraid. Nobody dared to go out there. They were all scared because, you know, if you go fight this man, you're going to be killed. So everybody was dead. But then this little boy, David, goes along because his father sent him off and said, hey, check on your brothers. So David goes out and he's hearing this, this giant from this army is making fun of our God and our nation. So he gets offended. So David goes, hey, who is that man? How come you guys are not doing anything? Let me go fight this guy. But he was only a teenager. He was a little boy. So Saul, the king, heard and says, hey, look, David, I, I hear you, but guess what? You are just a little boy. But that man, he's a... He's, professional. He's like a marine or he's, he's a really a specialist. He's better than Navy SEAL. So there's no way you can go. But this is what David says. Okay. Let's see how confident he is. Okay. In First uh, Samuel chapter 17. Okay. He says this. David said to Saul, hey, your servant has been Keeping his father's sheep, when a lion or bear came and carried out a sheep from the flock, I went after it and struck it and rescued the sheep and killed all these lions and the bear. Now, but then he gives the credit. Now he says this, verse 36 and 7, Your servant has killed both the lion and the bear. This uncircumcised Philistine will be like one of them because he has defiled the armies of the living God. Now, the Lord who delivered me from the paw of the lion and the paw of the bear will deliver me from the hand of this Philistine. Now, you, did you hear what David says? David didn't say, hey, I am so quick, I am so fast, so with my slingshot, I can defeat this Philistine. Is that what he says? Hey, I was so quick, I'm just so fast, that's why I was able to save myself and kill the lion and the bear. Is that what he says? That's not what he says. Who helped him? Who was there to help him and kill the lion and the bear? Who? Nobody, right? Who? God. So David knows the Lord God helped him to kill the lion and the bear. He's giving a full credit to God himself. And because David said that, Saul says, Saul said to David, go, and the Lord be with you. Saul, I mean, think about it. You are in front of the, all this army. The Philistine says, hey, send one man to fight me, and if I win, you better be my servant. And if you win, we will be your slaves. So King Saul, when he's sending one person, he cannot just send anybody. But Saul saw the confidence in David, even though he was a little boy. And David says, hey, it's because God, I can go and defeat this Philistine who is defiled, who defiled 
the armies and the, who defiled the, God's name. Let me go fight. And that's why Saul was able to send him off. So David found his confidence in not his own ability, but in God himself. And you know the rest of the story, right? So David goes out and defeats this giant. Because he was so quick? No, because of his slingshot? No, because of God was there with him. So do you guys have that kind of confidence? A lot of times you are scared. The things that's happening. Uh, you guys are all like, you know, grown in a way in, in college and after college. Maybe some high school kids who are studying to be going to college. Oh, I'm afraid. How am I going to make it to college? SAT, ACT, they, they may not even take it. So, you know, there are a lot of things that we're afraid of. Maybe you're looking for a job and all, the next step. A lot of things that we're scared of. But do you have those kind of confidence? Just like how David had a confidence in God. Even if you don't make it to a good college that you want to go to, even if you don't get the job that you want to, guess what? You are who God says you are. There's nothing that can change that. The things that you are able to do or you're not able to do, things that you have or don't have, that does not change who you are. You are a child of God and there's nothing and there's no one that can change that. Even if you die, even if King David, even if the little boy David goes there, and even if he does not win, and if he gets killed, David knows that he still worships God and he is still a child of God. If God, who helped him and who wants him to go fight, if God is with us, then who can be against us? If it's God's will that I go, go out there and die, then let it be. That's the confidence that David had. What about you guys? What about us? Do we have that kind of confidence? But then, there's someone else, like King Saul, the one who sent David. Guess what? Do you think he has a very healthy self-worth, self-respect, self-esteem? Not so, not so much. King Saul, he actually had a very weak, unhealthy because look, just previous chapters, in chapter 15, when he committed sin against God, God told King Saul to go and defeat Amalekites. Amalekites, because they have sinned against God, so they wanted to wipe out the whole entire Amalekites. But then the soldiers and the army, they took down the Amalekites, but they have lots of valuable, they have a lot of good treasures. They have all these healthy animals. You want me to just kill them all and destroy all of it? But these are very valuable. These are very, you know, rich. So let's save those things that are good. So that's what Saul did. Saul listened to these soldiers and people, and he saved all the good animals, good healthy animals, and all the treasures and the gold and all these things. And the things that are worthless, he threw it away and he burned them. He destroyed all that. But then that, of course, did not please God. So God sent Samuel to confront Saul. Hey, look, how come, why did you disobey me? But then Saul says, hey, I did obey you. I mean, I did kill the Amalekites. I just saved the king and saved all these good things so that I can use them to worship you. That's what Saul said. No, no, no. Samuel said, no. Don't you know 
He says this in verse 22. But Samuel replied, Doesn't the Lord, Does the Lord delight in burnt offerings and sacrifices as much as in obeying the voice of the Lord? Which one does he obey? I mean, why are you thinking, why are you disobeying God's command? To obey is better than the sacrifice, and to hit is better than the fat of rams. Then Saul's excuse was this, I have sinned against the Lord and your instructions. I was afraid of the people, and so I gave in to them. So I was afraid of all these people who are complaining, so I gave in to them. That's what Saul did, and that's what a lot of people do. We're afraid of what other people are going to think about us. We're afraid of what people say or do, how they look at us. So instead of doing what God says, we just gave in to them. Even though we know, even if we know that that's not what God wants. People who has good self-worth are not afraid of your weakness. Not afraid to face the true reality. Not afraid to really take whatever is in front. So what about you guys? Do you have that confidence? Are you willing to take? I don't know whether this would be a good illustration for you guys. Let me just tell you this and then I'm done. Um, you can probably tell by now, I can speak English pretty well, right? But I'm not like, uh, I'm in, by any stretch of the means, I'm not a, like, I'm not a native speaker, right? So I have accent and my grammar is, you know, a little bit here and there and all that, right? But I hear before, I mean, that's how, that is why I was a little bit nervous when I came in and spoke to you in October, right? But I feel more comfortable because I felt like I'm getting to know you guys a little bit better. But guess what? When I was doing this and when I was preaching, I was a children's pastor for all these years. So my kids, you know, my you know, daughter Chloe, who's 15 now, and Nathan, who's 10, when Chloe was like 10 or 9, I was preaching to her. She was in elementary. One day after the sermon, she comes up, you know, we... We were home, and she said, Appa, say fruit. What? Say fruit. Fruit. I can't even say it now. So what are you talking about? Fruit. Uh, she was like laughing and making fun of, don't tell Chloe that, okay? Laughing and making fun of, like, oh, Daddy, you cannot even say fruit. When you mention fruit, somehow I guess I mentioned fruit in the, during my sermon, but she said, oh, but when you say it, it sounded so funny, it just didn't sound right. So what happens? I was like so upset, so offended. How dare you, daughter, confronting your daddy's English. Daughter, you're only 10 years old. Guess how long I've been speaking English? I've been speaking English 30 years, three times longer than you ever lived. How dare you correct my English? Daughter, 너 한국말 그렇게 잘해? 그러면 너는? 너 일로 와봐. 너 말해봐. 너 간장 공장 공장장 공장장 그거 해봐. 할수 있어 없어? 못하지? 조용히 해. 라고 하고 싶었어요. That's how I wanted to say that to my daughter. But is that the good idea? Not really, right? What was she doing? Chloe wasn't trying to make fun of me. Chloe was trying to what? Help me. 
right? But then we get so offended a lot of times. Hey, how we feel like you are disrespecting me. And then we respond in a negative way. But when you, so I took it in and says, okay, from now on, you can correct me and help me. So I had a hard time pronouncing W-A-R-M versus W-O-R-M. Right? Warm and warm. That is very hard to distinguish. Did you notice that? You go and ask your parents, can you say warm or can you say warm? It's very hard and difficult. There are many words that are so hard. But nonetheless, I've been working on it ever since and I've been, my kids, my Nathan and Chloe has been helping me in those ways. So that, that's what I, the point that I'm crossing is this. When you have a healthy self-worth, you don't easily get offended. When you get confronted, you embrace it and take it in. So you can get better. And that's why I stand here before you today and I preach because I believe that God wants me to be here and share God's word. Even though my English may not be perfect, but hey, if God wants me here and preach, then God will give me the strength and the ability and the power. If he doesn't want me to be here and do that, then you know, let that be also. So my prayer for all of you is to find your identity. Really know who you really are. Not in what you are able to do. Not in something that you have or don't have. Not even what people say that to you. But have that confidence in what God says. Because that is not going to change. Let me pray for you. Dear Heavenly Father, a lot of times we think about ourselves and we base our identity on what we are able to do or what we have or don't have or what people think about us, what, what people say about us. But none of those makes us who we are. What really makes us who we are is what God says, and what God has already done. So help us to find true worth, true self-worth and identity in what God says. I am who God says I am. I am not what I'm able to do. I am not what I have. I am not what other people say. But I am who God says I am. So God, help us to know that. And help us to have a confidence in you. Lord, we thank you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. All right, let's pray. Before I pray and give a benediction, uh, starting June 9th on Wednesday night, we're going to have a prayer meeting, and we're going to be praying about our house church, kind of resetting our house churches. That's one of the prayer requests that we have. So for the month of June, 
we're going to pray that God will give us the wisdom and find the best way to really uh, motivate and really uh, empower our house churches so that we can focus on really making disciples of Jesus Christ. Not just being comfortable or having a fellowship with other believers, which is important, but our goal is to make disciples of all nations. So we're going to pray for our house churches. That's one of the prayer requests. And the second prayer request is our worship time. Uh, right now, our ESC worship is at 1.30. I believe that we want to change a little bit to the sooner, uh, a little bit earlier, so that we can not only invite the college and the young people, but we can also invite the youth as well as people from all age groups, children to adults, even elders. They can come and whoever can worship us, worship God with us in English, they can come. So uh, that's another second prayer that we have. So if you want to join us on Wednesday night prayer meeting, that would be great. And also the third thing is we're going to pray for our youth pastor that we've been searching and looking for uh, our youth pastor. So you can pray for uh, that. Uh, you can pray that God will bring us a good youth pastor who can really preach and who can you know, share Christ with our youth group and work and serve God together as our team. So those are the three prayer requests that we're going to be praying starting not this coming Wednesday. I still have one more class to teach on this Wednesday, but week after, week follow, uh, following uh, this Wednesday. So that's uh, June 9th, I believe. So at least for four weeks. Uh, I want you guys to come and join us in that prayer meeting. Uh, and if you guys come, and we're going to lead that prayer meeting both in English as well as in Korean. So I just want you to know. Okay? All right, let's pray. May the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ and the love of our God the Father and the power and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with all those who find their identity and self-worth not in what, what anyone else says but only in what God says and help us to live that faithful life as a child of God now and forevermore. Amen. 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 All right. Good to see you guys. Have a great uh, weekend. Yeah, long weekend, right? Memorial Day. All right. Thank you.